But a lot of people go through their lives in their 20s or their 30s and they bounce around like a pinball from objective to objective, temporary objective, with no kind of like guiding star. There's nothing that connects the dots. And they think that's their vision. And then they get to 35 or 40 or 45 or 50. And they're like, wait, 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 what? Like, what, what's going on? Where do I, where do I really want to head? I'm your host, Rob Cook, and this is Contenders Wanted, the show where we believe incredible success doesn't have to come at the expense of your family, your faith, or anything else that makes life worth living. Too many success stories nowadays celebrate people who either sacrificed these things for their own success or became successful before realizing the importance of them. Our mission is to show the world you can have both incredible success and the things that make your goals worth reaching for. We know it's possible because we've seen it in our own lives and the lives of our guests. So if you're ready to go from contender to champion, then join us where contenders are always wanted. Have you ever seen the movie Alice in Wonderland? I mean, I'll admit as a kid, I hated the movie. I thought it was creepy and just weird. And although I know it's a literary classic, even as a kid, I think I could tell that something was wrong and they all seemed high. The fact is, I still don't like it. In fact, I've never even watched the Johnny Depp version when it came out because of my prejudices against it. But there is one scene from the movie that I do love that a church leader showed me one time, mostly because of the lesson it can teach us. In this particular scene, Alice has just left her argument with the smoking caterpillar, which, but, but why, why, why a smoking caterpillar? Anyway, I digress. Okay. Alice just finishes her conversation with a smoking caterpillar. She shows up in this wooded area with paths leading every which way. And she's examining the signs on the trees, trying to figure out where she should go. Ultimately, she's looking for the white rabbit, the whole reason why she went down the rabbit hole in the first place. But she's not sure where to go. Suddenly, she starts hearing this song playing. And then out of the shadows, this strange cat appears, whistling teeth and bouncing eyes and all. Once again, more weirdness. Once she finally gets the cat's attention, she asks him a question. She says, I just want to ask you which way I ought to go. To which the Cheshire cat replies, well, that depends on where you want to get to. Alice, now slightly distracted, responds, oh, well, it really doesn't matter as long as I can go. Then it doesn't really matter which way you go, wisely responded the Cheshire cat. It's a simple scene, but its lesson can have profound impacts on our lives. Where do you want to go? Not sure? Then any path will take you there. What kind of marriage or career or finances do you want to have? Or what kind of person do you want to be? You don't know? Then any path will get you there. But when you do know, it becomes so much easier. Because suddenly, which path you should take is perfectly clear. What actions you should take are really straightforward. And all those distractions immediately lose their pull. But having some sort of vision for your life, some sort of destination you're shooting for and seeing clearly where you want to go, it's not easy to figure out, but it's such an important step. So how do we figure out where we, where we want to go? How do we find that guiding star for our lives? Well, our guest today found his vision, as he calls it, his vision for his life. And he's going to tell us how he found it. And how we, in turn, can find our own. Kurt Mercadante is an author, he's a speaker, a coach, a podcaster, and an entrepreneur. And he's built three successful companies, including a seven-figure ad agency. 
But then, just a couple years ago, before COVID hit, Kurt decided to shut down his business, and he took his life and his family in a completely different direction because of this vision. On the episode today, we talk about how Kurt defines freedom and success and how that's changed for him over time. We have a really interesting discussion, actually, about the ideas of fighting versus flowing with life. That'll honestly leave you thinking for many hours afterwards if you take the time to really think about it. And then the whole back half of the conversation revolves around this idea of establishing a vision for your life. Tells us how he found his, how you can figure it out, and how the application of that vision can actually change over time. It's a fascinating conversation, and I hope you love it. For Kurt's full bio, be sure to check out our show notes on your podcast player and on our website at contenderswanted.com. And with that, let's jump right in. Kurt Mergadante, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Rob. I really appreciate you having me on today. Well, thank you for coming on the show. For listeners of the show, longtime listeners, Kurt and I got connected through uh, Fraser Cameron, who was a guest on season one uh, of the of the podcast. And uh, I jokingly told Kurt before we got recording that it was almost like he was Frasier 2.0. And Frasier, if you're listening to this, that's no diss to you. You're awesome. We love you. Um, but I think a lot of the topics that we're going to cover in certain ways are are kind of similar. Um, but Kurt, as you know, as always, he brings his own uh, flair and flavor to, to some of these topics. Um, but Kurt, you, why don't you take a moment and introduce yourself? Tell listeners a little bit about who you are and, and what it is that you do. Yeah, really, I, I help individuals design, create, manifest, and grow their freedom businesses. Um, now, what the hell does that mean? You know, freedom business is one that enables you to provide your unique and fulfilling impact to the clients you want to serve while enabling and empowering your freedom lifestyle. And that lifestyle is going to be different for me than it is for you, than it is for anyone else. But the key is, what does that freedom lifestyle mean to you? Not to your parents, not to your peers, not to your Facebook friends, not to society. What does it mean to you? Um, And I also help businesses create more freedom within uh, their teams so that their teams can unleash their individual superpowers and, and use those superpowers and have the freedom to achieve key objectives and key outcomes. And we're seeing that right now where companies that don't allow that freedom and autonomy and really allow you know the, the, the companies that have what I call our butts and seats model, warm butts and seats, where it's just hire someone for their skills and put them there. We, we have, you know, they're calling it the great resignation and employees want to be treated like individual, unique human beings. And so, so I also help through corporate trainings. I help them um, uh, do that uh, and, and, and build more engaged, more productive, more purposeful teams as well. Um, this is my third profitable company that I've built. Uh, I had over the span of what, 13, 14 years, I scaled a seven figure PR and ad agency also did some lobbying. Um, I don't regret that. Uh, but I use that as fuel because I know, uh, the BS that, um, that occurs in state capitals and, and DC. And I try to use that because I know I was part of the, the cabal doing the programming of people. Uh, and when I say mm-hmm. programming, all of us have programming, right? 95% yeah. of our cognition is our subconscious programming from when we were young through now. Every time you watch an ad, every time you see a politician give a speech, every time you go to church or, or wherever you go, 
and hear something from the pulpit, your parents, whatever it is. Some of that's good or bad. Actually, you shouldn't think of it as good or bad. It just is. And it's part of your identity. And when you start clearing that out, um, that's a real key to freedom. So I was part of that. I worked in pharma. I worked in agribusiness. You know, I see where that programming starts. And a lot of that can really hold us back. And um, from doing what we want to do, from, uh, from having health freedom, which is a, a foundational key. If you're not healthy, you ain't going to build a freedom business. <laughs> you know? You're no good to your clients if you're dead. Um, mm-hmm. But also the ability to break through the programming of, well, you got to be responsible. You got to be practical. You got to be reasonable. And what most of that is, is the programming of, you can't build your own business. What are you doing? You have that good job. You have that 401k. Why are you going to go out and do that? Oh, you have your bachelor's degree in this. Why are you going to go create a business over here that has nothing to do with your bachelor's degree? You know, oh, you're going to move away from family in your hometown. Why would you do that? You're selfish. Um, So breaking through a lot of that programming, I had to do it four years ago. I woke up one morning and I shut down my agency at peak revenue. I fired all my clients and I started over because I wanted to help people build more freedom in their lives. Um, and, And really it's a journey for me. Uh, you know, it's, it's, um, and, and helping people to do that is, uh, is extremely fulfilling. Well, there are so many things that we could honestly circle back to and unpack in just <laughs> that one explanation. Um, but I just had my coffee, so you know. time to do it all. <laughs> so what you're saying is you're firing on all cylinders, right? Yeah, right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Well, moral of the story is. Freedom business, freedom lifestyle, freedom tends to be the underlying theme here. And a lot of what you talk about on your social media, a lot about what you talk about uh, in your book, and clearly what you do from a business perspective. So um, today, I would love to dive deep into this idea of freedom and how you figure it out and what does that really mean to you? Because I think you have a very, um, very good framework from which to think about it and from which to try and then recreate it in your own life. Because let's be real, most of us, what do we want? We do want real freedom. Everyone mm-hmm. from the founding fathers to us now, I feel like are, what do we want? We want freedom. We want the ability to choose. We want the ability to feel like we are the masters of our own destiny to yeah. some extent. So uh, I'm excited for us to dive into your framework and understand what does that really mean and how, how, how do you recommend people go and find it? So maybe uh, l- let's, let's just start here. Um, how do you define success and freedom and those types of things? And how has that changed over time? You've kind of alluded to it already, but I'd love to kind of flesh it out a little bit more. Yeah. I, you know, success to me is having freedom and fulfillment. Now that can be vague, right? What is free? Freedom means something different to, to everyone. Um, yeah, I'm reading a biography of Gandhi and one of the first foundations. Now his rallying cry was truth mm-hmm. and nonviolence truth and nonviolence, right? And um, he felled an empire without firing a shot, you know, and he had to control people on his side from rioting, from doing that. And so through that nonviolence, he, he was able to, to bring about, you know, the British empire got that after a while, they were like, you know what, you take this country, we're out, right? Mm-hmm. And, but the foundation of his journey was built upon self-sufficiency. And for decades, he preached self-sufficiency amongst Hindus. And he got the spinning wheel and said, learn to make your own clothes. So we don't have to rely 
on the British government, like withdraw from them, become self-sufficient, pull your kids out of the British government schools because A, they're programming you, but become self-sufficient. And if you apply that to your own life, especially the last two years of the COVID era, if you're self-sufficient, mm-hmm. people can't mess with you. If you're self-sufficient, right? People, if, if you're not self-sufficient, people can take away your stuff. People can take away your toys. You know, if your meaning is tied up in, in certain things in the restaurant you go to and whatever, and they lock down your restaurant, you're going to cry. Oh my gosh, they took away my meaning. If you're self-sufficient, you know, so I think it goes back to the fact that freedom and fulfillment, you know, which are foundations for me of success are internal. It's an inside out game instead of outside in. And so when a lot of people hear mm. freedom, it's what's, what are they doing in DC? What are they doing to me? What are they doing? To, and that's not to discount stupidity that are, that are done by other human beings who may or may not be elected officials, right? We see yeah. a lot of that going on right now. But you realize that freedom is your birthright. You were born with it. No human gave it to you. And the only human who can give it away is you. And when you realize that, I mean, Nelson Mandela talked about being in for almost three decades, being in jail and still remaining free because freedom was between your own two ears. And so um, when you wake up in the morning and you don't feel like you got a grasp at something and you're not angry and you're not like, what's the world doing to me? To me, that's a sense of freedom. And it's counterintuitive. You know, if there's one thing that I would change in my book, it's that I use the word fight too much. You got to fight for freedom. You got to do that. And maybe it's not the word fight because Gandhi fought, but he did it in a way that was, you know, everyone's familiar with the the yin and the yang. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people look at it as two different things. We all have both within us, right? And the yin is considered feminine, not in a gender context, but in a, um, in an emptiness context, you know, the Taoists talk about the valley being stronger than the mountain, or at least equal to the mountain, because everything has to flow into the valley, into the river. And that river is extremely powerful, right? The yang is, is more masculine energy, which is, I'm going to go fight. You know, if you, if you look at martial artists, right, throwing a punch and a kick is yang, but being able to use your, your opponent's energy against them is yin. And there's like mm-hmm. hakido and aikido, where you can destroy someone without throwing a punch. That's the power of the yin, right? So you can fight in the context of Gandhi with yin and having what's called intelligent, a great friend and author, Jason Gregory, talks about it being intelligent spontaneity. You don't have to be throwing wild haymakers all the time, right? You can trust the flow of your life with synchronicity that the path is going to reveal itself by going in the right direction, but you don't have to constantly force us. And and that is, so when I say fight for freedom and fulfillment, it's not getting up in the morning, getting motivated, having your 36 cups of coffee and going out and start throwing punches. It's, I think the real battle and the real fight and the real motivation comes from emptying out the crap from your mind and then allowing, allowing what? Just allowing right? But the real fight is, you know, people rely on motivation and willpower to get in shape. And that's why the gyms are full January 1st and empty by the end of the month. 
because they don't allow it to happen and allow yourself to follow a process. They go in there and they're like, I'm going to get in shape. And they do a week and they don't see immediate results. And then they wear out and then they don't go to the gym anymore. And that's, that's the culture that we've built. It's based on sweet stimulus. And if you don't get that sweet mm-hmm. stimulus right away, we give up. So that's what the real motivation and willpower is on the front end of defining the process, allowing it to happen and keeping yourself from waking up in the morning, wanting to grasp, you know, Grant Cardone's got the be obsessed or be average. And it's like, mm-hmm. be obsessed and be stressed. Like, I don't want to be obsessed <laughs> about anything, you know? And I think that's the prize. It sells books, it sells videos, but really, um, I think it's a, it's a, it's a, a disease. You know, the, the root of the disease is dis-ease. That's what disease is. And so that hustling grind culture creates more dis-ease throughout us. I mean, stress causes inflammation. Stress, you can trace back most diseases, maybe all, 99% of diseases, including COVID, to stress on the body, inflammation, which causes dis-ease. Um, and so, you know, when I write about fight in the book, really, um, if, if I had to go back, I'd choose a different word. And, um, and, and really, I've come to believe that the, all the five pillars still hold, but that fifth pillar is so important, which is flow, because you allow it to happen. Yeah. Well, from having read your book, I can, and knowing you and the things that you've posted online, I, I, I can see why that one is, is, is so uh, passionate for you. So I'm, I'm curious, if you don't use the word fight, what word would you use? Allow. I like the word allowing, you know, um, uh, I like to, to read a lot of spiritual traditions, right. And I I was raised Catholic. I was raised, and it's amazing how, when you open yourself to, and you take off your teen jerseys, right. It's like, I posted something about the Tao Te Ching and this guy started like going off on me because he was so triggered because he was, and I'm like, Hey man, you know, like, but when you open your mind and you actually read a lot of these ancient texts, whether it's the Bible, whether it's the Tao Te Ching could be Hindu text. There's a lot of points of agreement. There's more points of agreement mm-hmm. than there are what you would mean to believe is that we're all fighting each other. And I think that's, I think that's part of the thing which we can cover, which is a separation consciousness, us against them, this versus that, good versus bad and all that. And we have that in our mind. And so we create division uh, within ourselves and others. But I think, you know, if you read the Bible, there's no, there's a, I forget the, the, the point in the Bible, but it's let go and let God, mm-hmm. you know, and you read the Tao Te Ching and it's, there's something called Wu Wei, or actually it's pronounced Wu Wei. It's spelled Wu Wei, but it's Wu Wei, which is effortless action. Mm-hmm. You know, there's similar, if you read Hindu Buddhism and it, if you imagine yourself as water in a mountain stream, right? And you're flowing, you're f- always flowing forward, right? In the mountain stream. There are those hustle and grind pornographers, I call them, who, when the challenges of life come before us, so consider those boulders that suddenly come down the mountain and are in the stream ahead of you. The hustle and grind pornographers would have you go up, seek out those boulders, and start punching the hell out of those boulders, headbutting them until you're bloody. And then if you say, I don't know, it's not working, I'm bloody, and they'd say, well, you're weak, you got to be more motivated, give me more money, and I'll pump you up. And then you keep punching along, right? That's that's mm-hmm. our culture. Yeah. 
What I would rather do instead of fight and punch is flow. You come up with those boulders, you have a clear idea of where you want to go, of the end point of where the river is going, of the stream is going. And you flow to the left or you flow to the right. And when you flow past those boulders, what do you do? You just wave at those hustle and grind pornographers. They're stuck behind the boulder. They're bloody. They think they're just weak. They're not doing it enough, but you're allowing it to happen. You flow to the right, flow to the left toward your vision, toward that life you want, toward the freedom business you're building. And, you know, some mountain streams flow pretty darn fast. And so you're going to get there fast. Not only is it, you know, it's stress-free, less stress, um, but you're going to get there quicker than being tense. I mean, what happens when you're tense? Cortisol. What happens when cortisol flows through your body? Fight, flight, or freeze. You're actually dumber. I boxed for several years. People will watch a boxing match and they're like, that idiot, why didn't he move left? Why didn't he duck? Why didn't he? Well, it's easy to say when someone's not coming at you to punch you, right? When that bell goes off, your adrenaline goes through the roof, your cortisol starts flowing. And if you're not conditioned to act innately, there's no creative thinking going on. Now apply that to the rest of your life. If you're constantly in fight, flight, or freeze, you're actually dumber. You're not going to be able to flow because you're going to see the boulders and you're going to fight, fight, or you're just going to stop. So if I, if I had a, that's a long way of coming around to it, fight, I would replace with allow, but I would also, I would also say really looking at, uh, that fifth pillar, which is flow and allowing your life to flow. Yeah. No, it's ironic as you were talking, when I read that in the book flow, I was kind of like, okay, yeah, that kind of makes sense. But then just now when you were talking, you mentioned uh, the boxing analogy, which I believe is also in your book, but this didn't come until just now. But I think this idea of flow and being relaxed, allowing you to actually be at a higher, perform at a better level is in so many different areas. Like I'm a, I played football and rugby uh, when I was younger. And if you're tense in football and rugby, everything hurts more. Right. And the game is so much faster. But if you learn to relax and you re- you learn to just go with the flow, like it doesn't hurt, which seems so counterintuitive, but it's true. Because I remember when I first started playing, I my first few hits, I just, you know, tense up and it, it hurts. Why the crap would you play this game, right? But then right. I had my first experience where I ran through somebody, made a great tackle, just going with the flow. And it felt like I ran through a paper bag and it didn't hurt at all. All of a sudden it was like. Oh, that's what that is. So to me, that's that's how it translated in, in my own personal experience as well, this idea of flow. So finding those areas of flow, finding going with that flow in our lives, yeah, it, it can definitely um, give us a lot more power, frankly, to keep moving. And this actually kind of brings me to the, the next question I wanted to ask then was you talked about how <laughs> we're flowing to this end point, this, this clear goal that we're heading towards. Um, and you talk a lot about this idea of vision in your book. Um, and for me, as I was reading it, I, I couldn't help but feel like vision was kind of the key to this creation of the freedom lifestyle, the, the freedom business and being able to flow and all these different things. So I'd love to kind of focus there for, for a second. Um, perhaps take a moment to explain to listeners, what is vision in your mind? Um, and how does someone find it? Yeah. You know, vision is, isn't, when I say end point, it may be an end point. It's not an end point for like 20 years from now. Like this is a goal I'm going to achieve. And then that's going to be it. And I'm at the top of the mountain. Um, and it's not something to be like grasped at. 
you know, your vision is the type of life you want to live starting now. You know, and if you're like, but I can't achieve that for a year. Well, you can start living a life that is in uh, alignment with your vision right now. And whether you die in 20 seconds or 20 years. And so that vision is really the type of life you want to live. And a lot of people go through, you know, I was this way and I hit the wall like when I was 40, right? And because, you know, everything is conditioned, your financial guy, right? Everything is conditioned and everything was conditioned in my life to 59 and a half years old because then I can take the money out, right? Yep. And so everything is geared toward that. And then I'm going to retire. And then when I retire, oh, then I'm going to rest and relax. And so a lot of people look at that and they spend their lives waiting or 65 is retirement. Yeah. But a lot of people go through their lives in their 20s or their 30s and they bounce around like a pinball from objective to objective, temporary objective with no kind of like guiding star. There's nothing that connects the dots. And they think that's their vision. You know, in their 20, my vision is making $100,000. In 30, my vision is making partner and whatever. And then they get to 35 or 40 or 45 or 50. And like, wait, 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 what? Like, what, what's going on? Where do I, what do I really want to head? And so, you know, how do you arrive at your vision? It's going to be different for everyone. Um, it's got to be simple. It's got to be clear. You know, in the book, I say it's got to be the same. You know, it's got to be simple, aspirational, inspirational, and motivational. And it's got to be something where you wake up in the morning and you're like, you know, am I moving toward my vision today of the life I want to live? You know, is my job fulfilling? No. Okay. Well, what am I, how am I working toward creating a more fulfilling job, either in the job I'm in or does my health suck? Does my health and fitness suck? You know, the people who are most scared over the last years in the COVID era are people who have those comorbidities who are in that realm of being at risk of COVID. The people you meet who do breath work, do meditation, get their exercise, eat well, eat an anti-inflammatory diet, we're able to go through the last two years like, I have no worries in the world, <laughs> you know? And so there's that sense of freedom. So, so your vision, so arriving at that vision, how do we do it? Well, I, I have a Freedom Business Blueprint Bootcamp right now. We're working on vision. And it's not like something where in, in, in the first uh, session, I'm like, all right, what's your vision? What's your one-sentence vision, right? We're yeah. in session. We have tomorrow session five, and we're still getting at that. We, we ask questions like, well, first of all, we start with zero. How do you get back to zero? How can you clear out that programming of crap that's in your brain that contributes to the butts well, I really want to do this, but, you know, and, and so we come at it. So we, we look at clearing that out. Now there's a, there's a couple of, of, um, of techniques that we use. One of them is called is meditation. Obviously uh, one of them is called emotional freedom technique, which is actually some people may have heard it tapping. So it, it's kind of a combination of acupressure and, uh, and affirmations, but you clear out the crap, you tap certain acupressure points while focusing on a limiting belief or something that's making you anxious. You know, if someone triggered you, if a relative triggered you last night in a conversation and you wake up in the morning anxious about it, you literally start saying, even though I'm anxious about that, uh, that conversation with my brother, Joe, I love and accept myself. And you do that and you literally tap it away and clear out the crap. We've had people, executives who I thought weren't going to try this. And they've had incredible success. One person said, I had a lightness throughout the day because he felt uh, anxious going to work. Didn't like the people he went to work with. He's like, I felt a lightness and a happiness. He cleared away the crap. Um, the, uh, I had someone who said, I was trying to work on 
some of the activities, you know, we like, what do you want to do? What brings you joy? What he's like, I had a blockage. So I tapped it away, even though I have a blockage about what I want to do. And he did it. And then all of a sudden he said, it was like a fire hose coming out on the paper. And he said, my wife actually looked over and saw me. I had a smile on my face. Didn't even realize it. So you work at clearing out the crap, getting yourself back to zero because 95% of your cognition, as I said, is your subconscious. That's your program. 5% is your conscious. So imagine this, imagine you're, you're driving your car and you're like, you consciously want to take a right turn. And you're like, I'm going to take a right turn. I'm going to take a right turn. I'm going to take a right turn. But your body keeps driving straight. And you're like, what the hell happened? Your subconscious is driving the car. So mm. it, a lot of people want to make changes in their lives. They, they, they're not in a life of freedom and fulfillment and they consciously want to make a change, but their subconscious is be reasonable, be responsible. You can't do that. You're scared. You were told you were less than you were. You were told this, blah, 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 blah. Your subconscious takes control of the wheel and you can't do it. That's why the first step, you're fighting a losing battle, 5% versus 95%. So we work at zeroing that out. And then we spend time going through what brings you joy. Think of times you were at your best. What were you doing or not doing? We take the strengths assessment. You know, everyone has their innate nature. Your strengths are part of that innate nature. It's not skills, but it separates out what you were told to believe versus what actually comes naturally to you. We, we look at if you were going to die tomorrow, like what would be important? Would inbox zero be important? Would you care about your job? Would you want a different job? What would you do that would fulfill you? Um, you know, uh, another data point is, you know, what would you do if you could not fail? You know, you really want to do this, but you're so afraid. But if there was a safety, you know, I've had a fear of heights. And it's funny that if you take something that's 20 feet above the ground, like a wobbly bridge, I'll be terrified. Take that same wobbly bridge and it's only three feet. It's the same bridge, but it's in our heads, right? So you, what mm -hmm. would you do if you, you take all those data points, you know, circles, if you will, and then you have a Venn diagram, where are they all meeting? What brings you joy? What, what are your strengths? What would you do if you could not fail? If you found out you were going to die tomorrow or next week, what are all those things that you wanted to do and, or, and would do that you didn't do now? You take all those data points and it starts looking at and you start look, connecting them like, yeah, here's what I would do. And then you start looking at, you know, some, uh, you know, and I know Fraser does, I don't know if he still does this, you know, create artwork of what that looks like, of what the vision looks like, and then describe it in words find out where they meet. And it's important to look at your vision should encompass not just work, but there's three facets of your life. Yeah, there's work, but there's also relationships and self-care. And a lot of people look at work-life balance, which makes absolutely no sense because there's just life. So how do those three align? That also is part of your vision. And, um, and you start creating that. Now I have people meditate on that. Really create your imagination, Albert Einstein said, your imagination is a preview of life's coming attractions. Start mm, imagining, like start that. marinating in the life you want. Clear out the crap from the past. Start envisioning where you would like to be. When I say in the future, it's not like you're grasping at some future goal, but like, what would you like your life to be like, like now and tomorrow and next week? Yeah. Start putting yourself there and then start looking at what are the common themes there of what that looks like? And then you can, you can look at that for your vision statement and then reverse engineer it to set key outcomes to, to start getting there. There are so many great things that you mentioned here, Kurt, that we could dive into, honestly, and probably have an entire episode around just some of these individual pieces. Um, I would love 
to kind of ask you a question. You talk about vision. You talk about your journey of shutting down the PR agency and then uh, creating this freedom lifestyle just for yourself and your own family. Um, how did you find your vision? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah. You know, I think um, uh, finding my vision was really a, um, I think it was a similar process, at least in my own head. You know, at the time uh, we, we talked about Fraser, you know, I, I truly believe in synchronicity and synchronicity happens when you allow things to happen. And, and Fraser was the right person at the right time to give me a kick in the butt to really understand that I didn't want to do it. So and then coming up with my vision, it was really this, this word freedom kept coming in. And, you know, I had freedom to me was always important, but I had only seen it in the context of, of, you know, I worked in politics for years and I lobbied and I worked on all these things. And, and I think I came to, I don't think I came to a realization that politics ain't about freedom. None of that craps about freedom, you know, and, but also realizing and seeing toxic workplaces, uh, realizing for me that I'd wake up in the morning with anxiety attacks. Uh, cause I wasn't, I was living a life of compulsion about other people's expectations, my expectations, always grasping. And so I started to develop this real deeper understanding of what freedom meant to me, which was less about the outside world and what people were doing in politics and laws and all those things, and more about allowing yourself to be unflappable, to be bulletproof. That's an inside job. So that freedom kept coming up. And it's like, yeah, you know what? I really want to build it around freedom. Um, and, you know, since I wrote the book, my vision has, you know, if your vision has to change dramatically, it's not the right vision. That doesn't mean you can't tweak it. So when yeah. I wrote the book, you know, it was um, uh, helping individuals fight for lives of freedom and fulfillment. Right. And so I've since changed that a bit. Um, and it's, it's helping them design, create and manifest, you know, uh, their lives of freedom and fulfillment, um, which is a lot different because that allows you to allow <laughs> really, Yeah. but it, it really is what flow we've been talking about. Yeah. And when you pay attention to those things that keep coming into your head, you know, and you, you give yourself permission to imagine, you know, when we come out of the womb, uh, we have a sense of wonder and excitement and we don't differentiate between this and that and good and bad. And, you know, we don't even know names. And if you look at spiritual traditions or religious traditions, whether it's Jesus, whether it's the Buddha, whether it's the Tao Te Ching, they always talk about having a child's mind and how, and being more like children because children, their egos haven't developed. They don't have the programming. They don't look at things. They don't get triggered by something someone said, right? I, I think I think part of the part of the problem with humans and, and kind of the downfall of humans, even if you want to look at right the, the Garden of Eden story, which plays itself out in other traditions, is we learn the difference between being naked and being clothed, right? Now, what's what's the implications of that? Good and bad. We obsess about good and bad. We get triggered by people. We get triggered. This is bad. This is good. This lifestyle is good. This is bad. We're told, you know, uh, this is the way you live your life, et cetera. And so the way that plays out is we're kids. We have sense of wonder and excitement. 
we're dumb and excited. That's wonderful, right? <laughs> but then all of a sudden, we're told this is how you got to live. I think I saw a statistic. It's uh, Simon Bailey gave a speech, great speaker, former Disney executive, about I think it's kids get told uh, no 1,500 times a week, something like that. You know, and and so then all of a sudden it's like, well, you you got to go to an interview to get in the best kindergarten, to get into the better junior high, to get into the best. You got to do all these extracurricular activities, whether or not you want to, because it's all about getting into the best college. And then your dad's mm-hmm. like, well, just major in this because that's going to be the key to success. And I can't tell you how many people who've come up to me after speeches, who I've coached, who hit 40, 45, and they're like, I'm living in the life that somebody else chose for me. And I'm not, I don't feel dumb and excited. I feel conditioned. I feel like I'm in this moving walkway that I can't get out of. And everyone in our society wants to talk about the power of uniqueness and be your own self. But if you actually try to get off the moving walkway, they pull you in, they pull you back, right? Mm. They shun you. They think you're weird. Uh, They talk behind your back. Must be nice. And I call those people the scarcity pimps. And we all have them in our lives, their family, their friends who just don't understand why you're following your own path. And part of that isn't judgment. Part of that's envy because they wish they could do mm, it. Yeah. And so uh, they're, they're, the amount of, uh, of cruelty that can come from someone who is envious uh, is amazing. And so they make you feel guilty. They make you feel selfish for living the life that they want to live. And so realizing that you get less angry with them and you have more compassion for them, realizing that mm. they're not jerks. They're just, oh, gosh, I feel feel some compassion for them because they're not, I'm doing what they want to do. And, and now they're lashing out subconsciously. Um, and so, so that can help you from <laughs> a mental health issue and realizing that um, you're on the right path. And, uh, and, and so, yeah. Well, so if I summarize it, it sounds like what you're saying here is if, if you want to figure out your vision, you give, first of all, you got to let go of all those shoulds. All that programming mm-hmm. that you've talked about. And then you got to ask yourself all those questions that you, you referenced initially when we were talking and, you know, maybe other versions like them, but then see where the thing that keeps coming up for you, it was freedom. It sounds like freedom was that constant topic or constant theme and all yeah. your answers to all those different questions. And as you allowed yourself to actually see what freedom you either had or did not have in your life and then what you actually, what freedom really meant to you. Suddenly you were able to then go in and create and figure out what your vision for your life was and then go and create that and manifest it yeah. quote, quote, in your own life. Is that a correct summary yeah. or assumption? You think? Yeah, absolutely. And it's a journey. You know, it took, it takes some people I've had, I've worked with some people and it probably depends on their strengths, right? If somebody's futuristic, I've had people with uh, strengths like ideation and futuristic who come up with their vision like that. Um, didn't work for me. You know, I, I, I don't have futuristic. I have context as a strength and you have it in your dominant strength where I look to the past. I do too. Yep. And so I had to use that, but it just took me a little longer to get there. There's no right or wrong, but you look for those common things. And, you know, we hear a lot about identity today and, and, and mm-hmm. usually in the context of identity politics, what do you identify as, you know, and, yeah. and, and not even, not even in the political realm or the gender realm or whatever, you know, there's some people, I swear to God, they, they identify as busy, you know, or I ask people, they identify by their job title. It's like, no, who are you? And so many times uh, my mentor, uh, Joe Peachy, great sales, sales guru, whatever. And, and 
And it's like, I do boot camps, right? And so if if my boot camps aren't hitting that goal that I set, right? And I had a goal and I'm not going to get it. And I'm upset. He's like, are you building a business or are you building your ego? And so a lot mm. of those goals we set. So when you're looking at your vision and you use that imagination, separate out what's the imagination that's truly coming from within and what's your ego and your identity speaking. And your identity is made up of a lot of that subconscious programming and the detritus that you've picked up over time where you've come to believe you're someone that maybe you're not really. Um, and it's based on other people's expectations, all the stuff we talked about earlier. Yeah. And so really trying to determine, uh, you know, I had someone who tried to take me down a path of doing big events and this and that, and you're going to be the next Tony Robbins. And at one point I realized I, this isn't what I want to do. I want to have a, a, a life of simplicity. And so I had a whole team of eight people and I let them all go in February of 2020. And um, I was paying a lot of money out. We were doing big events and we were doing this and I realized, I don't want to do that. And it's interesting that you talk about synchronicity and allowing things to happen. I had struggled with that. I'm like, no, this is, I don't have freedom now. Because now I'm having to do these calls with my team of eight and I'm having to hold them accountable for things. And I feel like I have mouths to feed and all this stuff. There's nothing wrong with that if that's what you want to do. I realized mm -hmm. that's not who I was. I let them go. And by the way, I let them go. We're all still friends. We're all, you know, yeah. one month later, COVID happened. Can't do live events. Can't do any of that. And so I look at that and it's like, wow, talk about synchronicity. Yeah. But I allowed myself to be who I truly was. And by the way, that path I was going down wasn't who, who I was. And I would have had to let them go a month later anyways, under, yeah. under, under force though, instead of allowing. Yeah. And that allowing yeah. is where you have true power. Force is that power is allowing. Like, yeah. Yeah. I, I appreciate you sharing that, you know, your vision and your purpose and the way you're in doing it has changed over time. Because I feel like there's this common misconception that for successful individuals or for people who, quote, have it figured out, they figure it out and that's the same thing they do for the rest of their lives. They, right. We don't see the windiness of their path even after they catch a vision of their vision. Um, so I, I'm curious... Um, how else has your path changed beyond just these couple little things that you've shared? I know that, for example, you've had a few different podcasts. And I know, for example, um, you've had a couple different ways in which you've served people. Can you perhaps uh, tell listeners, how has your path meandered beyond just maybe this one simple example here? Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, maybe let's just, let's just go with that. Yeah. I, you know, it's, it's the, um, you know, let me first say that you know, the five pillars, it starts with superpowers and knowing kind of your innate, your innate, where your power comes from and what comes, you know, are you right-handed or left-handed, you know, that's mm -hmm. a talent. But if you practice say baseball, right, it's, it's, then you combine that innate power with a skill and then you turn it into a strength. Right. And so, so you find out what that is, but then you define your vision and what an aligned life looks like for you. And you define that. But then comes the outcomes and the outcomes are actually walking that path. And so, I, you know, early into the COVID era, 
I posted something, it said, if your vision has to change because of the pandemic, it wasn't the right vision. Mm. And people were like, well, no, what if my vision is to have this type of business and it's a catering business and now I can't do this? It's like catering business is an objective that may or may not lead you to your vision. And so I, I've tweaked my vision on the wording, but the essence of it hasn't changed. Yeah. The path I've taken to get there will change. And it's like, because boulders are going to come in and you can flow to the right or flow to the left. When you're, when you're going on the path kind of uh, trajectory that we've started here, if you're hiking, right? And, you know, we I hike here a lot in Sedona and the National Forest. And there's some areas where you go where the paths are not. Some people created some paths. Uh, you can't tell the difference here because all the rivers and streams are dry. And so, like, is that a path? And so sometimes we'll, I'll go down the wrong one. If mm-hmm. you have your vision, right? Let's say you get knocked down and you wait, like, where, where was my path? You have your vision. It's easier to get back on that path that leads you where you want to go. It's easier to flow right or flow left around the boulders. Ours has changed, you know, three or four years ago, or gosh, even a year and a half ago, we had this house that was going to be our forever house. It was on the water. It was in Charleston. That was great. And then we started to realize something just, something wasn't there. We didn't know what it was. Something wasn't right. And then COVID happens, right? And they shut down our parks. They shut down our beaches. They shut down a number of the things that we did for health and for relaxation. Couldn't even get to the beach. Couldn't go, you know, in the parks. Then they shut down, you know, we homeschool. They shut down our kids' acting classes, like the day of their play that they had been. So we're like, we don't like that. That for us, you know, and, and again, it could be said that, well, you're allowing outer things to affect your inner freedom, which is absolutely true, right? And so we were allowing those. And so that allowed us to kind of have introspection of if they can take away our stuff, let's not get as attached to this stuff. Then came June with the civil unrest and they tried to burn down Charleston and and, and a number of things happened and I won't get into that. But we started this realization of this this place ain't for us. You know, and, and let's, let's detach ourselves from an identity. Oh, we were Charleston people. You know, this is the restaurant Mm -hmm. we went to. Let's detach and let's create more inner freedom. And so we sold our home, uh, donated or sold. And when I say sold, it was at a cost because we just didn't care. You know, most of our possessions, when I say most, anything that didn't fit in a five foot storage facility or a minivan. So basically everything, you know, cause our wow. minivan, we had six people. So it's not like a lot can fit in there. Yeah. You have four and, kids. And we sold it and it was wonderful. We had, uh, you know, our couches, we had some expensive couches and we had, uh, young couples coming in like, Oh my gosh. And they were just starting their lives and we sold it for a song and a dance and I'd help them load it up. And it was wonderful. It was giving back. It was helping the circulation of prosperity and we hit the road. And so we, we, we traveled for a year and we went to the mountains and the beaches and all that. And that was a different path for us. You know, that was totally different than when he, in May of 2020 that we had even considered doing. And so the way we've gotten to that, my vision, some of the wording has changed, but the essence of my vision hasn't, but how we're going to get there has changed. And, um, part of it is having that clear vision. And then the path is going to, you're, you're realizing, you know what? I mean, even my business, you know, you constantly look and you look at 
something's not right. Where's the blockage happening? And it's like, you know, um, uh, you know, Fraser and I have chatted about this, you know, different people have different, you know, Fraser really likes ongoing one-on-one coaching. Mm -hmm. That's his thing. It's not that I don't like ongoing one-on-one coaching and it's not that I'm not good at it. There's just something, there's an energy blockage when I wake up and I have those calls on my schedule, right? I get a lot, but, but, but I get energy back. That's a key. That's when you can know if the path is right. If the things you're doing are giving you energy back on the way to your vision versus kind of like, that's a trampoline, right? You jump on a trampoline, the energy comes back to you versus if you just jump in mud, right? Mm. You might be good at jumping in mud, but you just get stuck. For me, I love boot camps. I love trainings. I love groups. Um, and so it's just, it's not that I don't like that. If there's any one-on-one clients that I have had in the past that hear this, it's not that I didn't like working with you and doing it. You just have that feeling of, uh, right. There's that energy. How yeah. do you feel? Is it giving you energy back? That's, that's where synchronicity happens. I don't obsess about anything. I don't, um, things happen for a reason. And if you're moving in the right direction, you know, there's an old cliche, it's easier to steer a boat once it's out of port. So you get it moving mm-hmm. and then you go and it's like, oh, well, wait, let's steer it a little bit different this way. The essence of your vision doesn't change where you want to head, but that path may change based on outer events, world events, COVID, politics, yeah. regulations, whatever. So hope yeah, that answers the head, question. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that definitely answers the question. Because I feel like for me, as I'm listening to you talk, I guess the way I could put it in my vernacular is your vision is kind of like a higher purpose, a higher reason for living almost, but then outcomes are your goals, whether that's, de- you know, a decade goal or a monthly goal or w- weekly goal, whatever it might look like, your, your thing that you're striving for in a particular arena of your life, th- those are your outcomes, but your vision remains the same. The direction you're going is still the same. How yeah. you get there just adjusts over time. Um, yeah. The key is defining it, but then reverse engineering it. And most Mm. people plan toward their vision, right? And that's like throwing spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks. You define, so in the old days, right? Before we cheated with GPS and Google Maps or Apple Maps, right? Yep. You actually had to take out a paper map, put a pin in the map, and then draw and reverse engineer the route to get there. Now, let's say you're driving and there's a detour, the bridge is out. You have your map and you're like, okay, let's plot a different way to get where we're going. That's the way it should be. You, you put that pin in the map, you reverse engineer it. And when you reverse engineer it, then for every year, every month, every week, every day, then you have those key outcomes. And a lot of people are really good at setting big, hairy, audacious goals. What I yes. urge people to do is yep. set them for the year and then forget about them. Reverse engineer them and focus on today. What are the three outcomes you need mm-hmm. to achieve today? Because often we sit there and we obsess about our end goal and we strive for that end goal. And then we're like, oh my gosh, that's so big. And then we become scared and we, da, 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 and we don't focus on today. Whereas like if you have a, an outcome that you want to achieve a year from now, guess what? There's 365 opportunities to move toward that goal, but no one wants to think small, right? We think small. There's less stress, there's less obsession, there's less striving, and it's kind of a mindless, unsexy process of what do I got to do today? I set that goal, but I'm not going to focus on that. You know, if you want to move to the beach, you want to move to Key West, 
one year from today. And it's easy to say, oh my gosh, but I don't know. Not such a big thing. And there's so much and I got to sell my stuff and I got to find a movers and I don't know a realtor in Key West and I've never been to Key West and I don't know anyone in Key West, right? So it's easy to set that goal, but then we spin like that for 365 days and say, well, wait till next year. So I'll work with people. It's like reverse engineer it. So when you reverse engineer it today, all I got to do is spend five minutes getting on realtor.com and setting up an account. That's all I got to do today. Tomorrow, I'm going to spend, my outcome is spending 20 minutes looking at homes on realtor.com. Then the next day is I'm going to spend 20 minutes uh, Googling and looking for a realtor in Key West. And then the next day, and when you do those stupid, mindless, idiot-proof things every day, every day, and not worry about that end goal, not obsess about it and strive about it, you're moving toward there. Every, you're flowing toward it every single day without stress, without obsession, without striving, without cortisol, right? Mm-hmm. And it's those little things that make a big difference. We all want to focus on big. Everyone talks about their BHAGs, right? Think small. We should start thinking smaller. And we'd all get where we want to go easier, quicker, with less stress. It actually reminds me of a principle taught in the book, Four Disciplines of Execution. I don't know if Mm. you've ever read that book before um, by the Covey Institute. I think puts it out. Great book. But they talk about this idea of lead indicators, meaning there's, there's your end goals, but you have lead indicators, things you have to do now that will then influence the outcome of the end goal. And this is what this kind of sounds like right here, right? You're, you're reverse engineering. What are the outcomes that I can accomplish? The small things I can do every single day that will then lead me to my eventual goal. And, you know, whether that's, you know, something that kind of adjusts over time, changes every day, or the same thing you do every day that leads to your goal. Either way, you're, you're kind of reverse engineering those outcomes and thinking small. I really, really like that. I think it's, it's a, very powerful principle that if applied can move your life in incredible ways. Yeah. Um, it, 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 real quick, it, it, you know, a lot of people talk about working hard. It doesn't take mm-hmm. hard work. It takes consistent work. And that's different. Most people don't want to be consistent. Most people aren't consistent. You know, when I work on, with people on branding, getting them just to post content three times a week, they won't do it. Um, I teach a LinkedIn mm-hmm. process. That gets me 99% of my clients. People don't want to do it. You know how long it takes me? Like 25 minutes a day. They won't do it every day. And and when you do that, you know, I do these boot camps, right? I start three to five months ahead of time. And it's easy to sit there and and I talk to people like, I can never fill a boot camp. What do I got to do to fill a boot camp? Well, let's reverse engineer it. You want X amount of people in your boot camp, reverse engineer it. How many people you got to get every day? What are you going to do? Like for me, it's like I post content twice a day. That's it. That's where it starts. I post content twice a day. What's the next thing? I reach out to people who viewed my LinkedIn profile every day, sometimes 10 to 20 people. I have a script. I just read that script. Okay, great. Then what happens? Some of those people get on a call with me to learn more. So I get on those calls with people. It's just very easy. And then mm-hmm. you follow that process. You, you have that process-oriented mindset where it's consistency every day. You don't go up and down and get excited and feel down. I just wake up in the morning and I focus on my process. And guess what? Some days I close deals, some I don't. I don't care because I know over time the process works. And if you don't have a process, after 30 days, not after a week, not after four days, not after 14 days, after 30 days, 60 days, if you're not moving and flowing where you want to go, 
Now you have the data for every day to find out where the, where the breakdown is. If I'm not getting a lot of calls, then maybe my content sucks. The inputs I'm putting in for lead generation, there's a breakdown there. If I'm getting a lot of calls, but not a lot of proposals, something's wrong with my sales calls and my script. So I got to look at that. If I'm getting a lot of proposals out the door, but not a lot of deals, then I know to look at my proposals. You know, um, I have a live bootcamp I'm doing in Orlando at the end of this month. Getting people all along, getting people all along. All of a sudden, over the last couple of weeks, I think due to COVID and travel and fears, people are dropping off. Uh, I'd rather do your virtual boot camp in the spring. You know, when you get three calls like that on a Monday morning, people were, were getting worried over the weekend, probably watching the news and getting scared and like, yeah. I don't want to travel because I don't want to wear a mask and I'm scared and this and that. Okay. There's nothing I can do about that. So I get a call on Monday and I'm like, oh man. But then it's like, you know what? I just go back to my process. And when you have that process, you realize that every single day is a new starting line. And crap that happened on Friday doesn't affect my Monday because I just, I have my process and I get back up. I start walking the path toward my vision. Maybe I have to take a little detour to get there. But that process-oriented mindset is so key because you have the data, you're bulletproof, you're not like high one day and low the other. It's just, I just keep walking. I just keep walking one step after another. And, um, and it's, it's so key in, in, in helping, but most people don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And subconsciously, they don't want to do it. Maybe consciously they hear it. And then all of a sudden they get into it for two or three days and then they just don't do it. And they find reasons not to do it. Because it's not sexy, it's not exciting, it doesn't have immediate gratification, it doesn't work after three days. And they haven't adequately cleared out the subconscious that wants quick stimulus, that wants quick results. And in that case, they have to learn for themselves and feel the pain before (laughs) they start to zero out the subconscious. Yeah, that, that idea of just the consistency of doing the unsexy every single day work in the process is been key to frankly most of my progress in any areas of my life when i honestly go back and look um and it's i think it's a principle that's taught in so many different places there's half dozen different books i could probably mention you know the first one that came top my head was the compound effect this is the exact same principle they talk about in the entire book it's just be consistent every single day and then it compounds over time Chop wood, carry water. It's an old Buddhist. Oh, yep. That's a great uh, one as well. You know, or Zen, a koan, which are these stories. It says, uh, before enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. After enlightenment, chop wood, carry water. And everyone wants this quick fix. And, and I'm going to be motivated. Oh, I'm going to have this, this wonderful us. Like chop wood, carry water. If you can't meditate, just keep at it. Keep at it. Focus on your breath. Keep doing it every day. And don't strive. Don't go into meditation thinking, I'm going to fight for enlightenment. Just focus on your breath every single day. Sit there. There's an old thing. It's like, if you're, bu- if you're, you know, everyone should meditate for 20 minutes a day. But if you're busy, you should meditate for two hours. <laughs> Meaning you really <laughs> should meditate and slow down, you know, but chop wood, carry yep. water. It, it's, it's, there's, there's, there's books today that have put a different veneer on it. And but this stuff goes back thousands of years. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Kurt, 
I have loved our conversation and frankly wish that we could just keep going, but I want to be cognizant of your time and um, I, I appreciate you coming on. I, I'll just end with one last question, then I'll give you a chance for listeners to learn, uh, for you to tell listeners where they can learn more about you, your book, uh, your your workshops and everything else that you do. Um, so our last question is a question that we ask everyone who comes on the show. And that is, what does it mean to you to be a contender? Yeah, to be a contender, I think means, you know, I, I immediately think of Rocky and mm. the Rocky movies. Uh, you know, I love the Rocky movies. And it's it's interesting that it's easy to always want to be on top of the mountain and, and to strive for it. And that's great. But really, when you look at the Rocky movies, some of, some of the pieces of it are, how do you, when you get to the top of the mountain, you know, I had success, I had money, and then I started obsessing about holding on to it. And if you're a contender, you kind of have that underdog mentality where it makes you a little more humble or a lot more humble. And when you're more humble, uh, that's when that ego isn't there as much. You don't think as highly of yourself. And, and it's, it's when you're on top of the mountain, you know, one of the things I said, you know, I, I read about in the book is I had money, I had the nice cars, um, you know, but we never traveled and did the things we wanted to do because I never had enough money. So when you get on top of the mountain, sometimes then you start, start playing defense and becoming obsessed of, I don't ever want anyone to knock me off the mountain. And so you become obsessed, right? Mm -hmm. When you have a contender mindset, it's you're, you keep flowing forward. You keep flowing forward, not striving, not obsessing about having the belt, but you know, it's, it's that, that it's a more humble mindset where you keep flowing forward and you're not, it's not about that. You're not just never content, but what I find is a lot of people become obsessed once they, once they get quote unquote success, monetary success and all those things. There's a, there's one of the most off misquoted lines in the Bible. People will say, well, the money is the root of all evil. The love of money, the love of money. When you become obsessed with it. And for me, when I had it, I became obsessed and attached my meaning to that. And you see that where people build that comfort zone around them. When you have a contender mindset, you're not comfortable. You don't have a comfort mindset. And so you keep, you're willing to keep moving forward and staying, instead of saying, I'm not even going to get in that mountain stream because it's dangerous and it's going to upset the apple cart. Right? A contender mindset is like, well, <laughs> I might as well. I'm not attached to anything. I might as well get in that stream and start flowing forward. I love that. I love this idea of the, the humility the contender mindset of going with it, jumping in, going flow, seeing where it goes. I mean, that those are all fantastic things. Thank you for sharing those. Thank you for um, asking it. Yeah. Well, Kurt, please tell listeners how they can learn more about you, find your book, your website, whatever, wherever you want to direct them uh, so they can get a little bit more of this, of, of the vision, of outcomes, of the flow, all these great things that we've talked about today. Yeah, the easiest way is uh, I have a separate blog. My name is so long that no one can ever spell it. So I have a separate blog that have links to a number of content, but also my website and everything else. It's kurtzblog.com, Kurt with a C, C-U-R-T-S blog.com. And if you go there, it's a gateway to everything else I do. 
Uh, it's easy to find. Uh, there's content there. I post all my podcast episodes, but then there's links for my book, my website. And on my website, you can find out everything I do. There are links to, to, to my boot camps and, and how um, people can benefit from the impact that we provide. Well, I'll be sure to leave links to all of those things in the show notes. So make it a little easier for listeners to find you. Awesome. And uh, Kurt, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really, Rob, it has been my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. All right, contenders, that's a wrap on episode 37. Thanks so much for spending time with us this week. Before we go, my quick takeaway this week was clearly all about vision. If you haven't done so already, take some time, sit down, and figure out what is your vision for your life. There's tons of resources out there. Tons of different gurus are all teaching you how to do it. I don't care who you use, but find a vision. Have a purpose for why you do what you do. Just try to be aiming for something, at least. Because without that, any path will get you there, just like the Cheshire Cat said. So what about you? What was your key takeaway from the episode today? Imagine if you knew exactly what you should do to move faster towards financial freedom. As if you could have a conversation with someone who knew you and knew all about creating wealth. And they could show you exactly what the next step should be for you. Which business to start, or maybe an investment to pursue, or a general route that's just best for you and your family. Well, that's exactly what I'm trying to do. I'm Rob Cook. I'm a CFP and a CPA, and I've dedicated the last 10 years of my life to understanding wealth creation and personal finances. And the best part is, I'm giving it away for free to listeners of the show. I'm calling it the Financial Freedom Blueprint. It starts with a simple quiz and ends with a call to discuss the results. As a bonus, I'll give you a couple cheat sheets personalized to your route with some tools and resources that I've personally vetted. All you need to do is visit contenderswanted.com freedom and enter your email address to get started. Once again, that's contenderswanted.com freedom and enter your email address to get started. Financial freedom doesn't have to be so far away. Let's get you in the fast lane with a Financial Freedom Blueprint. All right. Thank you for joining us today. If you haven't done so already, please remember to subscribe and tell a friend about the show. If you want to make sure you never miss an episode, be sure to visit our website at contenderswanted.com to sign up for our email newsletter. As always, a list of the resources and links we discussed, as well as a recap of the show and more about our guests can be found in the show notes. Please feel free to shoot me an email at rob at contenderswanted.com if you'd like to suggest a guest for the show or just to contact me. I'm always open to any feedback you might have and would love to hear how the show is helping you. So once again, my email is rob at contenderswanted.com. Thank you for listening. And remember, success leaves clues and contenders are always wanted. <laughs>